What you talking about? Talk, 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 talk. What did you say to me? Talk, 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 talk. What do you really mean? Talk, 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 talk. Aren't you listening? Talk, 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 talk. Good morning. I'm Jordan Peoples, communication expert. And on Talk Talk today, we're going to be talking about detecting lies. Joining me is my girlfriend and judge, Ellie Johnson. <laughs> Order in the court. Yes, your honor. (laughs) I hope most of you could tell that those were lies that we just told because today we're talking about lie detection. Yeah, that one part of the intro was true. Yeah, this is very much a follow-up to last week's episode. We got so much good feedback on our last episode that was all about um, humans telling lies and what lies look like that we wanted to talk this week on lie detection my guess and this is just a bold guess right at the beginning (laughs) is that people are less good at reading that someone else is telling a lie Uh than they think they are why i don't know i just think that people are probably not that good at it and that like the clues that we think are clues like from movies maybe aren't actually clues like what like people shifting around uncomfortably (laughs) i don't know i'm trying to think what actors do when they're supposed to be lying giant beads of sweat falling off of your forehead on a whim's notice or just like looking around frantically so jordan you said that you think that people think that they're better at telling lies Mm -hmm. apart from truths than they actually are so how good do you think you are at telling when someone is lying to you i I don't think i'm that good (laughs) i think it'd be hypocritical for me for to now be like but i'm actually pretty good (laughs) i don't think i am i think i hold the general same opinion that you do about a discrepancy between actual lie detecting ability and what actually occur, like what you think that you can do. Mm -hmm. But then I also will say that. And then I will say that I think that I'm very good at telling someone. Mm -hmm. Like, I just think that I am. It's interesting because I teach my students that I I teach a um, introduction to interpersonal communication course at Mm -hmm. the university and it's basically just an overview of everything that you could possibly think of with interpersonal communication. So we do a whole chapter that's about perception mm-hmm. and how do we like see the reality that we see and what makes it different than the reality that other people see and thinking about how certain bits of information are more salient mm-hmm. to some people versus other people. And I think just the stuff that is the most salient to me in any given conversation is the words that are coming out of someone's mouth. Hmm. I'm very in tune with the actual words, but I think other people have a tendency to be more involved in the context of the situation Hmm. or like what the person is doing while they're saying the words. And you think that makes them worse at detecting lies? Sometimes. I mean, because you're not paying that much attention to the lie itself. You're paying attention to everything surrounding the lie, but then, and what we're going to talk about a lot today is there's a bunch of different theories of Mm. just what helps people detect a lie yeah and none of these tools are really good or bad but i think they are things that sometimes serve me in ways that they don't serve other people okay so this is interesting because i would have thought i guess at least and this is kind of the movie (laughs) understanding again yeah is that it's the body language which is the real giveaway and then and then like your words like they might have a good story but then they'll do something that betrays the fact that they're secretly lying all along (sighs) yeah it's kind of this idea of scholars call that leakage Mm. so you're trying to hold it together but there's like a hole poked 
in your persona of yeah. this lie that you're trying to construct that sort of leaks out in a way that other people around you are able to notice Yeah, in a way that you're not able to notice. Like even the news will occasionally have like a body language expert on. Like I remember <sighs> seeing something about Bill Clinton and, hi- and him talking <laughs> about like the way he like he pointed and like looked away when he said something about like not having sexual relations with that woman <laughs> is, is like and it's like oh like clearly his body language doesn't match what he's saying like his he, this is betraying that he's hiding some truth that he's not like pointing forward and making eye contact when he said this thing do you believe that stuff though whenever you see those people that say they're body language experts do you believe them i i don't really yeah I, it seems to me like the kind of thing that is like chicanery <laughs> Well, it's kind of like astrology. We were just talking about astrology a few minutes ago and this idea of thinking that we can see these huge patterns and things Mm -hmm. that don't actually exist. And I think lie detection is almost one of those things as well, is that we put all these things together that are all lies and we try really hard to find the one thing that unites them all. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is we develop these very, very broad categorizations of things that are united on these lies, but are so broad that you could also apply that to nearly any other thing that a person could say. Like, oh, all people who are liars are also breathing while they say the lies. I have noticed that about liars. (laughs) Almost exclusively breathers. So Jordan, you've already told us that you think that humans are generally pretty bad at lie detection, telling whenever someone is lying to us. If you had to put that into a percentage, so percentage of the time that people are accurate, at saying if something is a truth versus a lie. How accurate do you think that people are? Well, this is interesting because <laughs> in some sense, there's like a coin flip aspect to okay. it. Like if, if you were to put put random results with like, I guess like random video clips of people telling the truth, they'd mm-hmm. be right like 50% of the time, assuming mm-hmm. that's the input. So I think people are, do I think people are worse than random? Okay. I don't, I don't know. I feel like they might be slightly better with, than random because sometimes there are things that look that make people look like they're lying mm-hmm. um, that might be more like one of the clues that we're traditionally honed in on. Yeah. Or it could be <laughs> that people think they can detect lies, so they look at signs that aren't even signs of lying, and so they overestimate their ability and they get even worse than random. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess I'm going to say that people get about 60% correct. I think they there are some clues that they might pick up on. Tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. So in a meta-analysis, for those of you that aren't researchers like myself, this is whenever you are doing an analysis of a bunch of other analyses that have already occurred. Mm-hmm. Okay. So these researchers in 2006, they took, I believe it was over 200 experimental studies that had looked at people's deception detection skills and used all of the stats from all of these studies to figure out the exact accuracy rate of being able to detect detection. Um, And what they found is that generally we are accurate at detecting a lie 54% of the time. Okay, so I feel like my reasoning wasn't too bad to get me in the ballpark. Yeah, so we are about slightly better than chance is what is typically cited in the literature. Something to note about the studies, though, that this number was found from, Mm -hmm. it's not thinking about lies in real life. Okay. okay, so like in your day-to-day life with people that you know, people right. that you trust. It's random people. Yeah, typically in these types of studies, either it's going to be you're going to watch a series of recorded mm-hmm. videos of people either telling a truth or telling a lie, and you have to tell the researcher 
okay, I think this is the truth or I think this is a lie. Or they bring in some sort of confederate that is someone who's an actor bringing sure. them in and you, you know, guess if they're lying or if they're telling the truth. Um, generally what we saw across all these studies was that 54% accuracy and breaking this down, um, that people have a correct identification of 47% of lies. So whenever they're presented a video of someone who is lying, um, 47% of the time you're going to get this right. So slightly less than half, Yeah. um, slightly less than chance. And then 61% of the time you're going to be able to correctly identify a truth. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, and another thing I was thinking of when you're reading these statistics mm-hmm. was in, in the studies, I don't know if they say this or not, mm-hmm. but are people performing similarly or do we have outliers of people who are quite good at doing it and then we have other people who are quite bad? Like, yeah. Like, okay. So, well, the answer isn't yeah in the sense that, yeah, we have people who are really good at telling people are yeah. lying and people who are really bad. That's typically not the case. Um, and I'm going to talk about this in a little while, but basically we consider all humans to be at a very standard level of being able to tell when someone is telling a lie. Mm-hmm. It's more about the access to the tools that you can get. Mm. So how much outside information are you able to get in terms of aid? Um or are you able to ask questions of the potential liar mm. to get the tools that might help you? This is really the thing that makes what we would call these expert lie detectors. So people who look work for customs, okay? mm-hmm. people who work for federal agencies, people who interrogation is literally their job. Right. That's what I was just thinking when you're saying all these things is interrogation. is Because then you have control over the situation and you can maybe try to verify facts as people are saying it. And if they're making right. stuff up on the spot, those are probably going to be incongruous. Right. And there's generally this idea that people who are experts in that sense are inherently better at telling a lie apart from a truth than people who are just lay persons. But that's generally not what we see to be the case. So really it's more of a matter of technique than it's a Mm -hmm. matter of perception. A study a few years ago, they brought people who were detection experts in and compared them with people who were just college students, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they showed them all the exact same set of recorded truths and recorded lies. Mm -hmm. And there was not a significant difference between the accuracy between these two groups. Okay, So then what they did as a follow-up to that study is they allowed for the detection expert to actually interrogate people, some that were told to tell the truth and some that were told to tell a lie. And in these cases, they got a near 100% accuracy of being able to tell if someone was lying or not, just because they had that training of knowing exactly the right questions to ask. Mm-hmm. But the even more interesting part of that is that if a layperson, so say a college student, was able to watch that recording of the detection expert interrogating, they could the person, also get it. They could also get it. Okay. And so yeah, like, all the, technique. Yeah, all technique. It's completely technique. And it doesn't even require the expert to take the information from the technique and translate right. it into an answer. A lay person. But the problem is that a lay person might not know how to execute the technique. Right. But once you get that diagnostic information, anybody can tell whenever someone is telling a truth versus telling a lie. Okay. But the good thing is with keeping that in mind is that, yes, while this research tells us that we really as humans are not that good at detecting lies – 
it doesn't mean there's not hope. It doesn't mean that there aren't things that we can do to better detect lies or at least not get worse. So say I am sitting across from someone <laughs> who is telling me something and I want to know if they're telling a lie. What's going on up here? In your little noggin? In my little noggin. <laughs> yeah, so this is something that scholars have been debating about for literal decades. You can go back to the 60s and communication psychology scholars were trying to figure out how in the hell that this actual process works of trying to tell if someone is lying to us or not, because we've known for a while that we're not that great at it. Mm -hmm. But the theories on the actual process have changed a bit over time. There's way too many different theories for us to cover here in this very short podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but the main difference that I do want to highlight of all of these theories put together is if the scholars writing the theory generally think that we can accurately detect lies based on those leakage cues that I mentioned. So if mm. they believe that in real life settings, that we can see leakages of the lie seeping out through nonverbals, through, you know, some slip of the tongue mm -hmm. to help us tell a lie. Or if we don't think that actual strategy helps much in real life settings. That's generally the biggest difference. And what I'm going to talk about today is going to revolve around one of the more recent theories and one of the theories that has a lot of backing called truth default theory. This is a theory by Tim Levine. I talked about him a bunch in the last episode. I think I even talked about this theory just a tiny bit. Um, and I like this theory a lot, again, because it's very, very recent. So it's the most up-to-date theory on how we tell whenever someone is lying. Um, but also it can apply to a ton of general situations. There's not many situations that you can find yourself in that this theory does not apply to in some situation. So truth the fault mm -hmm. theory mm -hmm. is the name of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, I mean, the obvious thing that it sounds like is that since people are telling the truth most of the time, we can default to assuming that they're t telling the truth and we will look for when their behavior deviates from normal and then we associate that with their, their lying or something like that. Okay, yeah, so you're really onto it here. So the core of this theory is essentially that our brains live in a truth default state. Okay. Okay. So that is where we default to because we are assuming that people are going to be telling us the truth. And I guess after hearing what we heard in the last episode, mm -hmm. that's not a bad assumption to make because people really no. are telling the truth most no. of the time. No. So this is what allows us to have effective communication. Mm -hmm. If we walked around all day talking to people, strangers, people that we know, people that we trust, even having a sliver of doubt mm -hmm. in them a lot of the times, we would not be able to effectively communicate at all. Mm -hmm. If we had this core belief in our minds that people might be lying to us, communication would mean literally nothing because there would always be that shadow of a doubt with anything that everyone says. Mm -hmm. So truth default in this sense, um, is very, very adaptive. And this is a new interesting direction because for decades even, scholars have referred to something as a truth bias in saying that rather than our brains defaulting to truth, that we are biased mm. to truth, that we are deceived in some way to believe that people are going to be telling us the truth. Mm -hmm. But what Tim Levine argues in this theory is that it's not a bias at all because bias implies that we're doing something bad. Mm -hmm. But it's really... Or that we're like overestimating how truthful people are. Like right. we're overcorrecting or something. Right. No, but we are literally what we're doing is that our brains don't like to work hard. 
whenever they don't have to work hard. We yeah. recognize that people tell truth most of the time because we tell truth most of the time. Yeah, so, so we, why overwork it? Why why not just believe that they're telling the truth? Exactly. It's an evolutionary perspective, almost in a sense, of a way of minimizing energy for maximum benefits. Mm-hmm. So that's why we see this truth default really being put in place. And what the truth default allows us to do is make us really great truth detectors. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're asking me the question, are humans good truth detectors? Generally in society, yeah, we are good truth detectors. So that's why we get that 61%, that better than mm-hmm, random mm-hmm. at detecting truths. Exactly. Because we are more likely to say truth than we are to say lie. Now, granted, this number would be a lot higher in real life settings. Mm-hmm. Because in the real world, you are seeing more like 95% of the things you're being told being true. Whereas in an experimental setting, it's more like 50-50% right. to create that chance type perspective. But we would see our truth detection in real life being quite high. The bad thing about this, though, is it does make us susceptible to whenever someone is trying to deceive us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked a bit... Um, in our last episode about those very small percent of people who tell most of the lies. And what it does is it really makes us more vulnerable to deception. We're walking around defaulting (laughs) to assuming that the things that are being told to us are true. But still, we don't never (laughs) perceive that someone is lying. Mm -hmm. We do pick up on it sometimes. Mm -hmm. So what's what are the things that like allow us to actually perceive it correctly? Yeah. So Tim Levine argues that we have to be triggered in a sense to turn off the truth default. Okay. There has to be some sort of stimulus that is presented to us that causes us to turn off this very low energy state of evaluating the communication messages that we're receiving. And there's several different things that we know can turn off the truth default. So one of these things is that we know, because we also lie, we know that humans generally lie for a reason. We don't lie randomly. So anytime that we sense that a person has a motive to lie, we're going to be more likely to become suspicious that they're lying to us. That's Mm -hmm. something that can turn off that truth default. So when there's something to be gained by lying, we're more Mm -hmm. likely to be like, well, are they lying? And then we might actually pick up that they are or not. Exactly. And I think that's why... If you looked at detection of lies in like home life versus in the workplace, that might be where you see a discrepancy. We might be more likely to turn off that truth default more in that type of workplace environment when there's like monetary type gains or, you know, employment gains to be made. Whereas in the home, what's the real point of lying to someone? What are you actually going to get out of it most Mm -hmm. of the time? That's one of the reasons that we can turn off that truth default. Another thing is the behavioral displays that we think are dishonest. So what you see those body language experts talking about are these nonverbal forms of communication that humans typically assign to being telling of dishonest behavior. Okay? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we can see those type of nonverbal behaviors and immediately say, oh, yes, this means that they're lying. That example that you gave of Bill Clinton's pointing was something that that body language expert associated with being dishonest. Um, And there's several different things that we can consider to be these dishonest cues in society. So one thing that is very typically associated with insincerity or dishonesty is the avoidance of eye contact. So if I'm not looking at you in the eye whenever I'm saying what I'm saying to you, 
<laughs> Jordan just gave me the best wide-eyed stare right now. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a good visual gag for the medium of podcasting. <laughs> um, that's a big one. Uh, another thing is being hesitant or slow in re- responding to someone. We people think that that is dishonest. Um, something where someone seems uncertain in their vocal tone. Um, excessive fidgeting with the hands or with the feet. Those are things we think are dishonest. Listening to these, I just feel like these are all things I do all the time. <laughs> like I'm very fidgety. I like to be deliberate with my word choice. So I have to think for a second. Well, <laughs> that's interesting, Jordan. Yeah. And I'm happy you brought that up because part of what truth default theory argues is that that is what happens most of the time. Mm-hmm. Is that these things that we assign to be honest versus dishonest demeanors are things that literally are just personality behavior traits of humans, regardless of if they're telling a lie. Sometimes some people are just super believable. So people who come off as being very confident and composed or um, someone who's very engaged and involved in communication. Those are things that we associate with honesty, but also the best con artists in the world are going to naturally have those type of personality traits wow. in their communication. So even if what they're saying is crazy, as long as they're just acting yes. like what they're saying is yes. <laughs> convincing, people will believe it. Yes. And that's what we yeah. see in research is people That's pay- what we see in uh, the news. <laughs> it's so hard on these lying episodes not to invoke certain political <laughs> figures. No, it's true. I mean, if you invoke these different demeanors, people are going to just believe that you're either telling the truth or telling a lie. So people could listen to you and just think that you're lying all the time. Because I'm so fidgety. Because you're just so fidgety of a little boy. (laughs) But it's literally just your demeanor. So even though those cues can turn off our truth default, it is not a very accurate means of turning off our truth default. Mm-hmm. It's actually one of the most faulty ones. So in this truth default theory, mm-hmm. we're looking to switch off our this, this state. <sighs> yeah. And the things that we're looking at are kind of informed by our media and perceptions and stuff like that. Yeah. So the bearing on the things that turn off the state are mm-hmm. actually kind of random. Or yeah. at least not, not random, but at least... Not informed. Yeah, they're they're not informed or it's something that society has socialized us to believe by Mm -hmm. watching TV, watching media. And we have so-called experts telling us this is what people do. Mm -hmm. Or in TV, we saw Elle Woods crack the case whenever she noticed uh, the person on trial doing this certain behavior. These are all things that we soak into our psyche. It's interesting because in prepping for this episode, we talked a lot about how some legal scholars believe that we should set a standard in legal settings such that jury members are told not to pay attention to the nonverbal behaviors of people who are on trial. Because they're using these cues that aren't real to detect whether they're... like because. Another thing is you're in a trial situation. That's quite stressful. There's a lot of stress behaviors you'll be exhibiting whether or not you're lying. Yes, exactly. And that could lead you to believe that someone is guilty when they are actually innocent or even the opposite situation whenever you have someone who is this con artist type of a personality who just knows how to lie really, really well Mm -hmm. and puts on that very honest demeanor. If you ignore those things out of the situation, 
you can really just pay attention to the words that they're saying. Now, I don't want to go into this too deep because it's a very controversial perspective because there are a lot of things that we can gain from nonverbal behavior, that we can gain from the context that surrounds the words that we say. But this has certainly been a point of conversation amongst scholars in considering if we should be trying in these situations where being able to tell the lie from the truth is very important to outcomes, if we should be, be trying to prime participants in a way to not allow that truth default mechanism to turn on or turn off so mm-hmm. incredibly easily in those settings. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple things you could do with like a jury. Like, mm-hmm. like if you were really worried about body language, mm-hmm. you could just take transcripts and have them read the transcripts, have the transcripts read in public or read at the trial. I mean, there's, there's a variety of things you could do, I guess, to mitigate this behavior, but then you lose out again on so much more or at least so much other information that they could have had. You'd lose out on a lot whenever you can't see what's actually being said. Um, And another thing that kind of connects to this is there's an entire field that's called neuro law. Mm. Um, where neuroscientists are trying to integrate themselves into legal studies and making arguments that we shouldn't have these traditional jury settings at all and rather we need to be using like neuroimaging while people are giving a statement on trial to Mm. have this objective measure of telling a truth versus telling a lie. Okay, so are there lie-detecting apparatuses that work because i know like a polygraph is kind of notoriously not that accurate Mm -hmm. so are these things that these neurologists proposing are they like what is do you know if they're accurate or not i can't give you a firm answer on that just because i'm not a neuroscientist myself Mm -hmm. um i have talked to my best friend who has a neuroscientist Uh and she didn't look into it too much but she said did think it was a little bit kooky Um, There's not too many people who fall into this line of work. And any time that you are starting a new field where not too many people are hopping on board, things can seem pretty kooky. We Mm. tend to think things are less kooky whenever we have more people on board providing evidence towards them. So I'm not going to say it's not possible because we do know regarding communication that there are certain goals that we have and certain desired outcomes that can produce certain chemical imbalances in the brain Mm -hmm. um, that can be very instantaneous. I I know a professor right now that is doing research where she's showing her participants um, anti-vaping messages Mm -hmm. while in an MRI machine. Yeah. And she's looking at their brain waves and trying to see how they are processing these communication messages. So it's definitely something that I see being possible. I just don't know enough about the nitty gritty. So where did we get to? We were talking about things that turn off the truth default. We got off on a yeah. tangent there. But it is important things I need to consider because truths and lies are a lot of what we base a lot of society on, mm-hmm. if you think about it, and how we keep order in society. So actually understanding how some of these processes work, I think, help us understand our society much more generally, at least. Um But anyway, so we talked about if you have a motive, that's something that might make you turn off the truth default. If you see a behavioral display that you think is dishonest, that can turn it off. Um, Something else is that if there's a lack of coherence in what the person is saying. So if point A doesn't match point B, that can make you, that's the stuff that I think that I notice a lot more. It's just looking at the logic and and in a similar vein, um, whenever the message you're receiving and your reality doesn't match. 
that's another thing that can turn it off. Now, whenever I saw this, I thought of immediately about gaslighting, mm. um, which we're, I think we're going to do a whole episode on that at some point sure. in time. But And I imagine that has a lot to do with confidence, which is another one of these lie, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. truth default triggers or whatever uh-huh. is like as long as they're confident it's harder to like doubt what like they're now saying but then you look at the reality and it doesn't match up and you start to doubt your own reality in mm-hmm. that sense rather than doubting the message that came out of that person isn't that crazy mm-hmm. that people can be honest enough looking of communicators that we can choose to doubt what we see and experience mm-hmm. over the words that come out of their mouth and then the final thing that this theory mentions as being something that can trigger off the truth default is simply information from a third party Mm -hmm. so if someone comes to you later on and tells you something that is directly opposite to what the other person told you we see this happening a lot in sitcoms um maybe your friend told you oh i can't hang out tonight because i have to go hang out with my ill grandmother and then two days later a friend comes up to you on the street and they're like man where were you at the other night Mm -hmm. me and johnny were going crazy at the club (laughs) and you're like i thought johnny's grandmother was ill okay (laughs) That's that information from a third party that can really make us turn off that truth default. And whenever we turn it off, that's when we actually begin to scrutinize a message that Mm -hmm. someone has told us and try to seek out actual physical evidence to tell us that something has been a true or lie. And so that's, again, like a benefit that an interrogator would have. Like Mm -hmm. if you have two accomplices that were both doing a thing, Mm -hmm. you now start interrogating them. And so you have two sets of facts that you can contrast. Exactly. And we have seen research that has shown us that there's a difference between suspicion and actual detection of Mm -hmm. a lie. So as humans, we're able to discern whenever we are suspicious that someone's lying versus whenever we are like, yes, they are lying to me. And most often if we ask people, well, what caused you to suspect? Uh, be suspicious of a lie. Um, they're typically to say those nonverbal behaviors. They'll mm-hmm. say, well, it was the way they were fidgeting or mm-hmm. the way that they wouldn't look at me. But whenever you ask a person what helped you detect a lie, they're going to straight up say it's evidence. Okay, yeah. It's physical evidence or it's me talking to someone else who was present at the event. I also wonder how much, if you ask someone like what made you figure out someone was lying, mm-hmm. how much they're like, well, what normally does it? And it's like, oh, I must have noticed he was fidgeting because that's what I've oh learned gosh. is a thing that helps me detect it. So this is interesting as well. So in another study that Tim Levine did on these expert um, lie detectors, these people, I think it was, this was all on uh, customs agents. He got a large group of customs agents and interviewed them all and asked them to identify what they think the general strategy is, what they think the best strategy is, and what their actual active strategy is okay. for telling if someone is lying to them or not. And literally like 80% of these custom agents, whenever they were describing the general strategy or like the best practice strategy, they were going to say things like, oh, um, I saw them fidget. I was watching, you watch their nonverbal behaviors. This is what people generally do is you can tell from their nonverbal body language if they are lying or not. But then they go on to describe their actual practice. And it's always relying on things like their questioning techniques Mm -hmm. or a direct confession from a person saying, you know what? I was lying this whole time. This is the truth. Mm -hmm. It's never those nonverbal behaviors, even though there is even that belief in that very expert realm, that nonverbal communication is how we can tell if someone is lying to us or not. Mm. It is absolutely bonkers to me. Yeah. 
Now, it's kind of a like a turtles all the way down problem or something. It's like there's like these layers of information and what we understand to be true based mm-hmm. on our perception. And so much of our perception is also mm-hmm. constructed in our own minds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> like, because we don't just see the things we see. We also see the things we see through the context with which we see them. Right. Which changes what they are. Right. Right. No. Um, but yeah, that's generally what will cause us to turn off that different mechanism. And what this leads to is that just with the exception of very bad liars, this isn't to say that there's not some people in society who are not just really, really awful at lying. Mm -hmm. Definitely those people exist. Um, But whenever we're looking at the average person, we typically just can't tell through that nonverbal behavior alone. We need some other type of external evidence to help us out in that way. And just a final note, to get in before we do sign off on this episode is that while truth default theory, I love it. It is the very broad understanding of lie detection and how do we tell a truth from a lie. Um, That is not to say that there are not situations where context isn't super helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, if you're trying to tell if your best friend is lying or your romantic partner is lying, those are situations where we know someone's natural demeanor and natural communication enough that we can often rely on those nonverbal cues to tell if that person is telling the truth or telling a lie. Mm-hmm. That is definitely the case in those situations. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't pay attention to those things whenever they come up. Okay. If you have a gut feeling, you really need to trust your gut feeling. Yeah. Cause I mean, that makes sense. Cause like if you have someone who's like, say good at telling if paintings are counterfeit, mm-hmm. You'd be better at telling paintings are counterfeit if you've seen the painting every single day. Right, right. You're more likely to notice the differences from what changes versus a random painting that you've never seen before. Right, right, exactly. And most of the things that we've talked about today really do apply to those stranger type situations when you don't know that person's natural communication. So we do have to take these things in mind. So definitely trust your gut. Um, One time you shouldn't trust your gut, though. Mm -hmm. Um, On a final note, a very funny note. I love this study. Um, Tim Levine also did a study a few years ago where he showed participants an episode of this show that was on Fox. It was called Lie to Me. I don't think it lasted more than one season. But it was about a social scientist that helped police detectives solve crimes because he had this expertise in body language Mm -hmm. and he could tell when someone was lying to him. So what Tim Levine did was he brought in participants. He showed half the participants an episode of Lie to Me and half the participants another similar drama show that Mm -hmm. was not Lie to Me. (laughs) And what he saw was that after showing the participants the two different episodes, he showed each of them the exact same set of these half lie, half truth yeah. um, scenario and asked them to tell, is it a lie or is it the truth? Yeah. And also their confidence on it. <laughs> yeah. So what he found is between the two groups, regardless of what they showed, there was the exact same, same level of, of accuracy. But in the confidence levels, the people who watched lie to me were so much more confident. They were like 90% sure that I got this right. And then the other group was like, I don't know, 50%. I love that. That is so human <laughs> to watch a single episode of a television program and be like, I'm probably an expert now. No, it's crazy. And it made me think about that earlier study I talked about where the students were watching videos of actual expert um, 
interrogators and they were able to tell if someone was lying. And I'm sure a lot of those students left and like, huh, I know exactly what questions to ask now. Yeah. Cool. I can go and interrogate someone. Yep. And then they could not. And then they could not. Um, so it's just interesting to consider the ways that we can be better lie detectors. But in reality, what we can do, what the limits of our brain is in the context of what we have is really what is the barrier, things that we often can't change. All right. And with that, everyone <laughs> listening to this is now an expert at detecting lies. No matter where you go, you can parse them out anytime. All right. I've been Jordan Peoples. This has been Talk Talk. And I'm Ellie Johnson. I'm still a lawyer. What you talking about? Talk, 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 talk. You hear that first? Yes, bird I did. Bird. I ran into the window. Yeah. I've been Jordan Peoples. This has been Talk Talk. A bird just flew into my window. <laughs> Bye, guys. This is Ellie. See you soon.